when bhakti enters food food becomes prasad when bhakti enters hunger it becomes fast when bhakti enters water it becomes charnamrit when bhakti enters travel it becomes pilgrimage when bhakti enters in house the house becomes temple and when bhakti enters action the action becomes service and when bhakti enters in man the man becomes little god or the man becomes true image of god today we will converse on these issues not in theory alone but our experiences and how these experiences have shaped us what can we learn together to grow in his love and service to do this conversation with we have very eminent panel of guests we have mr amos tibade hailing from maharashtra amos has song writing in his blood his father a son of well known uh, uh, kirtanier the one who sings bhajans was inspired to use the marathi folk drama called pavada to narrate the life of christ he composed these in the in his teens and his uncles used to sing these songs at the age of 13 amost everyday became sahil the leader of his father's pavada to the side accompanied by musicians and and background singer from miras they sing krishna pavada in many places in maharashtra till today amos is also a shishya pandit bijaghate a famous hindustani tabla player in maharashtra and also is an accomplished hindutani hindustani classical vocalist as well as marathi folk singer and we will see some of those elements today as he speaks to us mr amos devade we welcome you in our conversation satya sambhav moving on we have dr havila dharamraj is starting up as a high school teacher in chemistry havila went on to study old testament we also call his purveda theology uh, old testament theology finishing her phd at durham university her area of specialization is old testament narrative from which springs an interest to help students recover the art of storytelling as way to engage people with mukti way the bible she has a keen interest in being innovative in teaching and training focusing on the learner and most important she is currently working on on the comparative reading of one of the most profound poetry in india that is uh, called geet govind composed by poet jaydev or bhakt jaydev many 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 centuries back dr dharamraj we welcome you as a panel guest on today's conversation our third guest in this panel is pastor chandran samuel kadam vanam pastor chandran is a pastor with the delhi bible fellowship especially is serving the congregation of dwarka which is southwest delhi he has been the pastor of dbf dwarka since 2011 he is rather founder of that congregation chandran did his bachelor's in christian ministry from adelaide college of ministries australia he loves to understand how the past helps make sense of the present an introvert by nature but called to be an extrovert by profession he is married to sharan since 2002 and they cherish with four children pastor chandran we welcome you on our conversation today so let's get into direct uh, uh, to our panel uh, the guests on the subject bhojan bhajan or bhakti food music and devotion 
Let me go to the musician, the one who eats and live with it, Mr. Amos Tevere. Mr. Amos Tevere, what are your elements of celebrations you have experienced? How, do, how have you seen this bhojan, bhajan and bhakti? What are your experiences and how has this shaped you? Satya, uh, nice to be on this uh, panel with some uh, wonderful panelists, Indran and Havila. I'm glad to be here. Uh, once upon a time, I asked my dad, <clears throat> what is a bhakta? And uh, his answer to me was, uh, what is vibhakta? That was his answer. And I got the answer in that vibhakta is separated. And so bhakt is somebody that is one with the one he worships. So, yeah, my personal experience in bhakti is that uh, we have to be one with the one whom we are worshipping. And uh, that's been the desire and that's been what we are trying to do. Uh, music was not necessarily in my uh, family connected to worship as such, the way we think about worship in today's um, church context. Music has been there. It's been like, uh, at least I know my grandfather was a musician, so my and father was a musician. All of them dedicated and um, to the Lord, I mean, they did music for the Lord, but then music in itself existed. So it was there, and uh, uh, because we are Indians, we were into Indian classical. <laughs> that was what we were in. And for us, uh, music was the expression that we used to worship God with. Okay? So a means to worship God with and celebrate what God has given us in terms of the talent. And so my dad even wrote a song about bhajan. What is bhajan? And in Marathi it says, Bhajan hai devala bhajane, tachi stuti karane. It's simple. What is a bhajan? Bhajan is to worship God and to praise Him. You know, those are the two lines and I can sing them for you if you want. Well, as we grew up uh, as kids and uh, in my hometown, um, it, it's, a, it's a very simple place. I mean, uh, in terms of uh, all other things, now that I live in Mumbai, it's not like Mumbai. But yes, uh, festivities were great there because it was a um, large community in a small place. And that's why whatever happened in terms of festivals, it was uh, a big thing, you know. So celebrations were big and uh, uh, it, it, it was different because I come from a church which is like thousands of people together. So uh, even that was big. But would you, would you sing that song that you wanted to sing and then mm -hmm. we move to the next okay. uh, uh, guess? It's just a couple, couple of uh, verses and then... Atyachistuti <laughs> karne भजन है देवाला भजने भजन है देवाला भजने त्याची स्तुति करने करने त्याची स्तुति करने भजन है देवाला भजने भजन Oh, I know, I think once you sing and you sit, people sit with you, even if the uh, uh, atheists will start singing these songs and probably start uh, uh, zooming around. Thank you so very much. Let me go to Pastor Chandra. Yeah, we used to, uh, our school is situated right next to the, the Gurdwara, uh, Bangla Sahib, uh, you know, near Gold Market. And so we, you know, as friends, we would frequent that place and you know i've been in and i've seen the the langars that are put out over there and uh, those sorts of things and of course you see all of that uh you know living in delhi you can't miss uh, those aspects of it growing up 
you know, amongst, you know, we lived in Gurmore Park, Basantkunj, Dwarka, you know, our neighbors were a big part of our life in that sense. And even currently, you know, just living in, in Dwarka, we, uh, some of the times that everybody comes out in the society is, is around festivals, right? They want to celebrate Diwali and Holi, uh, Christmas even, uh, lots of other things. And so usually there is a meal that everybody participates in. And, uh, you know, we're happy to do that. We enjoy that very much. It's a great occasion for, you know, interacting with people. I think there's nothing like food. I know that, you know, Jesus's primary way of doing ministry was to have food with people uh, because there's nothing like con connecting over a, a meal and, and having that relationship. So, yeah, absolutely. It was a big part of our life growing up as well. Uh, I grew up, I would say, pretty much in a Christian subculture, if you like. Uh, you know, my parents were churchgoers. We went to church regularly. Christmas lunches, you know, Easter lunches were a big part of it. Our Easter sunrise service at the Lodi Garden. 5.30 in the morning, Satya, I don't know if you've ever been for that, was a hit. Everybody would get there 5.30, we would sing together, we would, you know, there would be someone who preached the word, and then we would have the most delicious breakfast with chai and coffee, celebrating the resurrection of the Lord. And so those were real huge memories growing up. But then even in our home, you know, family devotion is what we'd call it. We'd sit around in the evenings and we'd sing from the, the hymn book, I think it was called Golden Bells or something like that. Some of you might be familiar with that. And so we'd sing hymns from that. We'd sing songs from that. Our parents encouraged us to play instruments. My sisters and I went for piano classes. I did terrible. I didn't do very well at that. I dropped out of it. I picked up the guitar. And so I can play that. But yeah, music, food, celebrations is a big part of, of our family life. I think it's something you can't take out of an Indian even. It's very much part of who we are in our DNA. So. I hope that answers your question. Thank you, uh, Pastor Chandran. I think uh, so. We had experience from Maharashtra, then we had from Delhi North, and I'm not sure if Delhi only can be claimed by North Indian culture, but Delhi is uh, the ball where we have multiple cultures converged together. Then we go to South and to Dr. Havila Tanaraj. Uh, so I grew up in Bangalore in those days when the city was still called the pensioner's paradise, you know, lazy, laid back days. And we went to the Buxing Fellowship, uh, which probably you know of in North India as well, uh, big in South India. This is where we went. And here is where I experienced all these three coming together, all these three Bs uh, that are the topic of our conversation this evening. So after the worship was over on a Sunday morning, there used to be this great big fellowship uh, lunch. I think it came from Brother Buxing's idea of the langar because he was a Sikh convert, as everybody knows. So uh, like Chandran was saying, that probably is where it came from. But he had this... Uh, institution of every church every assembly as we used to call ourselves had this lunch and then we used to lay out these long mats in the hall and everybody used to sit on the mats and then there would be this little leaf put out in front of us uh, actually uh, a leaf that is stitched together with little leaves so there's a leaf plate and then uh, you would be served by people who went up and down with buckets of uh, rice and sambar and an aplam and all this would have been cooked by uh, a selected group of men uh, while the morning worship service was going on. And while we were even waiting for that meal, we would continue to be singing songs. So it was uh, um, such a blending together of languages because in our Baksing Fellowship, uh, any given song would be composed in multiple South, South Indian languages, even Hindi included. So that is how I learned to speak Telugu and Kannada and Tamil with almost equal fluency because the songs were sung simultaneously in a multiple uh, uh, in multiple languages. So these are the memories of my growing up and of my childhood of sitting on those long mats, uh, singing in whichever language I could even switch from language to language if I wanted. And the tune was the same. And then partaking of this uh, very wonderful fellowship, uh, Bhojan. Bhakti and Bhojan and Bhajan all came together on those Sunday afternoons. Thank you. Masjidandran, how would you see that, uh, and of course, not only that, but there's a lot of other uh, uh, examples uh, in Muktivedha uh, uh, filled with that. And of course, the famous one is the uh, Last Supper. But how do you see uh, the, the, those feasts 
celebrated and the last supper celebrated and how way we uh, how do we relate relate the celebration that we do today on this what's your thought on and how uh, how do you enlighten us um <clears throat> a good question i i think uh, you know we have to remember that the the roots of the the, the lord's supper are in the old testament uh, passover feast which originated in egypt you know when the lord uh, redeemed his people from the land and there was in every home people would gather and they would celebrate they they celebrated and then it became something that they remembered uh, every year as they celebrate the passover feast what jesus inaugurates for us is the last supper is actually you know is that passover feast which is now what we have as the lord's table as the communion so he did it in the same way with a small group of people in a room uh, with the close ones and he had that meal uh, together and in the meal they had that that part where there was the breaking of the bread and the cup uh, that symbolized not not the whole meal itself but those elements in the meal that symbolized uh, his body that was broken for us his blood that was shed for us now i think what happened in church history this is my opinion i'm uh, dr havila might have uh, you may be able to add to this is that uh the early church practiced that they met in homes they broke bread and they celebrated that meal together but as the church i think became more of a political organization in the 4th century uh communion the lord's table became something that was reserved i think by the clergy and it was controlled heavily uh it, in that sense the protestant church in the reformation continued to that practice and and adopted that in that sense and so there's a there's in in high churches typically i hope i'm not offending anybody there is a a sense in which communion is kind of a reserved sort of a practice uh the more free evangelical churches uh, more independent uh still practice that so we in dbf also we will have uh you know we on the first and the third sundays when there's a gathering of believers we have about you know maybe 80 to 100 people that will come we will participate in the communion by you know with the bread and the cup symbolizing uh, Christ's uh death on the cross and his blood that was shed for us we do also though uh practice it in homes you know so we have life groups and there are occasions when we have uh you know especially coming up to passion week we will have days that we will have in homes the breaking of bread and so uh, we don't reserve it to the pastor in that sense we allow you know uh, uh, uh others in the congregation to to uh break that for the congregation to pray over that to leave that in that sense and there's an important part of that uh of course i think typically we see in corinthians as well in the letters of corinthians there's a meal that seems to happen around it but i think these elements were a central part of that meal itself it wasn't it wasn't just the meal there was these central elements that were part of uh you know what was happening see the table of the lord communion is meant to signify community it's meant to signify our fellowship with each other it's meant to signify our identity with one another as those people who have been redeemed and saved uh so the, by faith in Christ so last so, yeah. uh, you actually uh, brought very interesting element that it's it was a it was a literally a feast literally literal sense it was a feast all the time until it became a a, a political institution or institutionalization of the uh, of the whole uh, the way and, mm. and 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 now it's become symbol uh let me go to dr havila Uh, as uh, children try to explain i think what we have left now in the communion is just a very abbreviated version of what they used to do from a full meal we take only the most basic elements one uh, solid and one liquid that is uh, the bread which represents all that is uh, eaten on the plate and the wine which represents that which is uh, drunk from the glass but it was a full meal in those days now i'm thinking i through even jesus's parables uh, he keeps referring to feast you know the feast where uh, this rich man um, uh, has his banquet already but nobody comes and so he has to send out to all those uh, who are blind and lame and the beggars then there's the other one in which there is a feast thrown but there is one fellow who doesn't come in the proper clothes and uh, so even clothes are important see uh, the right uh, wedding garments and he is uh, thrown out into the outer darkness so uh, feasting was not just part of jesus's uh, regular life it also took such a great part of uh, his uh, 
parabolic uh, uh, sayings. In fact, what I really like is this one. Uh, he says, uh, truly I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. That is a picture of the kingdom of heaven. What does the kingdom of heaven look like? Like one big, great feast, a long table groaning with food, uh, with dishes of all possible kinds and cuisines, and all of us sitting at that table, uh, the Lord's table. So even though the Lord's table on Sundays is so uh, abbreviated and so minimized, uh, that is the great uh, feast that we look forward to, whether in actuality or perhaps in... Um, uh, reality. Uh, the question that you are asking, Satya, what about us and today? See, unfortunately, I, I mean, I'll say it from my church, which is a very wonderful Baptist church. Uh, we have lots of eating and that is the bhojan part. And we have a lot of bhakti and bhajan going on. Unhappily, uh, we separate out the two. Uh, this happens here and that happens here. Even the spaces are different. The um, bhakti and the bhajan will happen in the sanctuary. The bhajan will happen in a separate hall somewhere else. Uh, and in our minds, one is a social event, the other is a religious uh, event. See, so we'll come back to uh, those points, as you mentioned. But let me go to Amos. Amos, what is your, uh, how do you see these, uh, these feasts, especially in, 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 in areas that you have been engaged at, uh, with your music and bhakti together? Well, uh, I would uh, uh, talk about more uh, in my own church where we, you know, have a feast uh, in terms of having food together on a particular Sunday. And uh, what I have found is it's a very good time to uh, get together, talk about things and and that's immediately after the worship service and uh, fortunately or unfortunately i don't know after hearing to havila we have the same sanctuary where we have to use uh, for worship and also for food because we are in mumbai so we uh, sometimes don't uh, have that uh, um, separate places you know but what i've seen is uh, it's 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 a great time of uh, getting together and having that meal as they used to have uh, in jesus's time and i've uh, also had a opportunity to be in a messianic jewish uh, congregation where i was having a concert and uh, it was a passover celebration you know and uh, it was a proper meal actually and that's what, that was my first experience, how the meal went, because they had this big uh, chunk of bread which they passed on and you could take it and then that uh, syrup. and uh, So it was a meal and uh, that was fantastic. Yeah, I, I liked, uh, you know, some of the things that you said right in the opening. You said something like when bhakti enters food, when it enters, you know, travel, when it enters work and all of these things, it kind of, it gives it a different uh, sense, a different dimension. I think sometimes, yeah, I think we as Christians, we tend to separate uh, the sacred and the, and the spiritual. And so we, you know, what we do in a hall on Sunday mornings for that one and a half hours, two hours is sacred. Everything is, is you know, sacred versus everything else is secular. That's the word I wanted to use, sacred and secular. Uh, and so we, we were probably guilty of that. I think uh, as Christians, we've got to take a much more holistic view of life itself. Everything we are and we do belongs to God. It is from God. And everything we do, every breath we take, every meal we eat, every conversation we have is to be for the glory of God. You know, First uh, Corinthians 10, 31, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God. This, that's got to be the governing truth of our life. And so, uh, you know, what you do in practice uh, as a church is fine if you're able to think of it in a way that it is for God's glory and it is all spiritual. It is all uh, sacred uh, in that sense. All of life uh, is sacred in that sense. I don't think we, we are, we have the liberty to separate uh, the two in, in that way. That's, that's how I would probably respond to that. Well, I think I uh, like what Chandran said, doing it, uh, doing everything for the glory of God. I, I like that. And that's what the Bible says. Yes. Um, but if you're asking me a question of uh, about how I, I have been able to connect with other communities, and uh, is that what you're asking? 
I mean, yeah. How do you deal with these uh, two aspects that prana puja, paid puja, or actually the same a part of the same thing, or sacred or secular? It's nothing but actually it's a holistic, as you began saying. Well, see, I have not uh, fragmented that in such a way and thought about it. Actually, um, for me, what I believe is, and I'll talk about, not about food more. I'll talk about music. खाने के बारे में अभी बात करने का वो वो नहीं है बट या थोड़ा म्यूजिक के बारे में बात करूंगा मैं आई एल टॉक अबाउट म्यूजिक सी द फैक्ट ऑफ द मैटर इज वी आर इंडियन म्यूजिशियंस बेसिकली एट हार्ट आई वॉज वंस विद हरी जी हरियाण जी एंड ही ऑल्सो डज ऑल दैट वेस्टर्न एंड ऑल ऑफ दैट एंड वी वर इन स्टूडियो डूइंग समथिंग एंड हरी जी सेड Uh, whatever do we do whichever music we play we play it but uh, finally when we um, do our own music it is in our dna to wa to nikal jati hai so for us uh, what happens is i uh, not only connect with our christian musicians i connect with all musicians music for me is quite global in terms of whatever music it is and uh, bringing it uh, to a place where we can glorify the lord through it that is what i would like to talk more about um, so any folk song that you have uh, uh, have used in dealing these songs if you want to uh, uh, say few verses of those yeah i can uh this song will summarize what we have been talking about but this is again in marathi uh some of you might not understand i'll sing some uh, other music music i think has a language crosses yeah, out i'll sing uh, another language also yeah. some, <laughs> if we get some time yeah this is by narayan vamantil and he has summarized what we have been talking gharidari bazarat kyun raj darbarat raj darbarat kyun raj darbarat घरी दारी बाजारात किंवा राज दरबारात राज दरबारात किंवा राज दरबारात देह कोठे का जाईना देह कोठे का जाईना काज काही का करीना काज काही का करीना घरी दारी बाजारात किंवा राज दरबारात राज दरबारात किंवा राज दरबारात इट सीज दॅट आय माईट बी एट माय होम आय माईट गो आउट आय माईट गो टू द बजार whatever i do whatever i am doing it's all for the glory of the lord ghar dar is door outside bazaar is bazaar so deh kothe ka jaina wherever i go whatever i do it's all for the glory of god wonderful that's the idea you have you have summarized in two sentences of your bhajan the entire debate that's happening outside these conversations as well thank you uh, uh, amoz ji the question is here how many of us we uh, how many of us we in, intentionally interact cross culturally or how do we in, engage with the communities outside this the boundaries that we have uh on these subjects bhojan bhajan and bhakti and these are not bhojan bhajan bhakti these are three words but i think they talk the whole they encompass the whole idea of civilization uh, dr havila Uh, let me come back to you and if you have enlighten us okay since you were talking about examples from especially the old testament uh, let me give you two uh, small case studies of how um the israelites contextualized or borrowed from if you like um, um the religions that were around them 
uh, one of them is the Sabbath. The Shabbat is such a big thing uh, in uh, Yahuism and now in Judaism. Um, and it is so strictly followed. But not everybody knows that the Shabbat uh, was similarly followed in the uh, religions and the cultures around this newly um, developing, growing um, uh, people group of the Israelites. Uh, when the Sabbath laws were given to them, like in uh, Exodus um, uh, 20 and onward, there was already something called a Sabbath, or Sabbath, uh, that was the pronunciation, already in the Mesopotamian uh, religion. Um, this day, the Sabbath happened uh, to four to five times every month. It followed the uh, lunar cycle, and it was particularly a day that was inauspicious. Like we have our Rahu Kala, it was like that. It was auspicious day. If you were especially a king or a priest or a, a medical doctor, you're a physician, you did not go out on this day because you did not want to do anything, uh, start anything big on a day like this. Uh, so it was an inauspicious day. That is the Sabbath which the God of Israel takes and turns around and says, look, I will bless this to you and let this be the most blessed of the days that you have. That's one example from religion. The contextualizing, or if you want to use the word uh, borrowing and then uh, remixing, uh, to use the language of uh, music, uh, that is what happened with the Sabbath. Then another good example is the whole business of how do uh, parties or individuals make covenants with each other in the Old Testament. When God and the nation of Israel or two um, um, people, for example, Abraham um, and uh, um, Abimelech, uh, the Philistine king, when they make these covenants, a covenant ceremony, a treaty making ceremony is immediately followed by a feast. And that feast says, listen, now we both trust each other. When you eat with each other, it means you trust each other. Uh, we haven't quietly poisoned off the other fellow, you see. So this is an expression of trust. And now, you know, from now on, we can continue in uh, treaty relationship, covenant relationship, because we have made a treaty between each other. Now that is shifted into the Old Testament. It's a social thing, um, uh, social practice, which now finds itself such an important place in covenant making in the uh, Old Testament. So right through, uh, even when the covenant is made between God and the people at uh, the Mount of Sinai, it is followed by a feast. The elders climb up the mountain and there in the presence of God, it says they ate and they drank. So here are two examples in the Old Testament of how things that practices of feasting that were in either the religious or the social spheres or even the socioeconomic spheres are now um, incorporated, remixed, you know, almost and uh, become such a central part of um, the Old Testament practice. Dr. Ravila, thank you for uh, really, I mean, it's, it's, it's like the googly that you put in, uh, in cricket language. That's the whole aspect of Sabbath that you uh, brought in. Pastor Chandran, uh, it seems that the, the, the narrative, the Muktibet narrative, has, as Dr. Ravila just confirmed, that has picked up some of these uh, or borrowed some of these and have uh, uh, given a new 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 dimension uh, to uh, those uh, events and things. It seems that today we are pretty wary having such things, and where is the more need? Because there is a lot of distrust, a lot of uh, uh, divides, and I think some. Uh, uh, Dr. Havila said how the covenant, which was a social event, where it brought people together brought a lot of trust together. Today, we, are, uh, we see that we want to just keep away most of the time from some such engagement. How do you respond to this? And as a, as a, as a, as a clergy of a congregation, what would you, would you suggest your congregation and the Ampos, that as institution, uh, uh, have their own uh, uh, bandwidth and have their own limitation? But as a, as, a, as a leader, how would you suggest how to deal with this? Because there is a lot of uh, uh, sort of that we don't want to engage. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, you know, when we talk about borrowing from the cultures around or the religions around, I think we have to take a step back and remember that God is the one who created music and food and the idea of worship within us. You know, God is the one who created it. And so it exists in every human being from the earliest 
person, you know, Adam and Eve, and then down through the generations. It's always been something that is part of who we are as people. And so, uh, will you find uh, overlap between uh, practices and religions and cultures? Absolutely, yes. You know, I think the way we worship might have been something that some other group or community was doing, and we've kind of adopted that and taken it. I don't think there's, uh, I don't think it's about uh, syncretism or anything of that sort. It's just who we are, and and so. There's nothing wrong in that way, I would say, for us to, for an Indian, a North Indian to worship a God in a way that expresses that North Indian culture or whatever they're used to in that sense, or the kinds of foods that, that you eat, or the kinds of celebrations that you have, or even the ways you worship. I think, uh, I think the church has been guilty of this in India and other parts of the world where we've kind of westernized our uh, our our worship, and so we sit in pews. You know, we 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 kind of have liturgy, or we have certain things that we go through, uh, and those can all be meaningful and perfectly fine. I don't want to criticize or write them all off. If that's the culture that you've grown up with, that's fine. But I don't think it's fair to say that everybody in church, or this is how church is or should be done. You know, I think that we have the freedom to to use uh, songs and music styles food choices, uh, ways of celebrating. We have the freedom. I, I think the scriptures are very clear on that. In Acts, the, the believers gathered together for the apostles' teaching, for the breaking of bread, for fellowship, and for prayer. Beyond that, there was no clear guideline as to how you should sit, what kind of songs you should sing. All of the, it, it kind of leaves it open. And I think God, we, we have to remember that God is a God of the nations. He is all the diversity we see around us comes from him, you know, and he's the one who created it. And I think we've got to celebrate that. And it's fine to embrace that and worship God through those means. Now, we worship the one God. We don't worship different gods. We worship the one God, but we can use different means in that sense, in our music, in our, in our food, in our celebration styles of worship uh, to worship that one God. Uh, so that, and I think that's perfectly fine. Personally, I've grown up in a in a church that you could call westernized in that sense. I'm used to sitting in 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 a in you know in an orderly way, and we have a certain order of service, and I feel perfectly comfortable with that. And I think people who gather in a church like mine, uh, where I uh, worship, also feel comfortable with that. But I would never criticize someone who has a different way of gathering and worship. I would applaud that, and I would affirm that by all means. Yeah. Uh, could I just jump in and just Please. respond to what Chandran has been saying? Um, now, um, uh, Chandran is being really generous and he's talking about how we can borrow from other cultures. Now, that we do, I think, all the time, simply because we live in India, there's no way we can escape being part of this culture. The fact that we wear saris, uh, well, that's part of our culture. Uh, but where we get really anxious and nervous is when we... Um, uh, uh, are um, uh, trying to participate in other people's religions. Yeah, uh, that is where we get nervous. See, now, for example, there's a question on the Q&A that asks, uh, should I go to a Mahashivratri festival or not? Mahashivratri, that is the end of winter. That is the last day of winter. And all that night, uh, I tell that story so many times about Shiva and uh, the churning of the ocean and the serpent around his neck and why he's gone blue. I tell that story over and over again to my students. And I say, that is the last day of winter. What is wrong with celebrating that? If uh, one particular religion is celebrating it with the Shiva story, uh, um, do a remix, um, um, adapt it and celebrate it in church, stay awake all night. We have any number of these, what do you call them? All night prayers and all. Make this another all night celebration of the passing of winter to the God who keeps the seasons turning, uh, as it says in Genesis chapter 9, you see. So that's why we are afraid, not to adopt uh, or adapt into cultures, but to adopt and adapt into religious events and celebrations that are uh, going on around us. And in all of this, we forget that our own Easter carries the name of Ishtar, who is what? The goddess of fertility. And when we celebrate with eggs and rabbits and all, bunny rabbits and all, nah? uh, uh, what we are celebrating is fertility. And that goes back to the goddess Ishtar. Nothing to do with our Easter, you see. Yeah, so the first century Christians were not afraid. Definitely the Old Testament people were not afraid. But we in the 21st century church are very, very nervous about having anything to do with other people's religions. Immediately the word comes up, syncretism. It need not be. 
Mm-hmm. It just needs creativity and a lot of courage. So, Doctor Hevila, if I can just jump in here, uh, where would you where would you draw some lines though in terms of where we are? Like Paul says in First Corinthians ten, where he's talking about idols, and First Corinthians eight, he says it's fine to eat food sacrificed to idols because an idol is nothing. But in ten, he talks about the demons behind the idols. You know, where do you draw? I I don't know if this is, but where would you draw lines? I I agree with your point. Are there any lines that should be drawn then? Sorry if I'm asking a question. <laughs> I think the good question Chandra you're asking. I think probably when, is there a line? Oh, okay. Um, see now, uh, we might. Uh, I mean, uh, Christians might disagree on this whether we should eat food offered to idols or not. And in all of uh, that, which is a separate issue from what we're talking about now, but not really because it's got to do with uh, bhojan or food. Um, I suppose the um, governing point that Paul is trying to make is: don't be a stumbling block to a weaker brother. Otherwise, who cares? Go eat. Uh, but in other places, he does talk about uh, the idol being a symbol of something more powerful behind it, and for us to be aware and cautious of it. Uh, those sorts of questions I would leave to our individual um, um, comfort levels. Maybe uh, what are you happy to do? So I wouldn't like to draw you know, blanket. Uh, uh, um uh, legislation on such a thing uh, but where would we draw the line here i'm talking about revamping existing festivals see now um onam uh, so very uh, well celebrated right across uh, south india okay. not just in kerala why because the malayalis are in our uh, city as well as anywhere else so in our college we do on onam day have one big onam sadhya and we are not thinking oh what is the story behind onam there is this uh, demon and that king and what not nothing just eat it and enjoy there are you know uh, zillions of uh, varieties of food to eat uh, at the onam table just enjoy it so uh, uh, is this okay to use the word christianizing uh, that's a little bit too strong but a revamping so that we give it meaning rather than accepting the meaning that's already uh, integrated into that story just like how we did with easter and christmas before it christmas it was a festival to the sun god by the pre christian uh, pagan europe didn't we take it around and uh, uh, give it a new meaning uh, so why, why can't we continue going uh, that path as long as the festival we're celebrating has a meaning that glorifies the god that we serve thank you dr havila point is uh, we have not revamped any music or anything i was born a indian and uh, uh, that's the music that uh, we grew up with so i didn't have to revamp anything i i was in india when <laughs> i was born i grew up listening to this music uh, not that uh, i don't play with jazz i do i play with jazz bands and all that but uh, this is what we grew up with uh bhajan is what we heard in the morning we heard uh, bhairav we heard todi or lalit in the morning we heard vrindavani uh, sarang in the afternoon we heard puriya in the evening and marwa in the evening because that is what we grew up with and uh, so naturally when you grow up with that music when you uh, listen to that music and when you are composing a song it will be in that i mean so uh, nothing of re- revamping apart from that yes again uh, having said that i have all, all uh, always been a part of a english church and i am very very comfortable in a english church sitting in pews uh, like being part of a anglican church and i am uh, happy there and i am happy sitting with the group of uh, musicians who are doing bhajan uh, i am happy with the folk singers Uh, who are doing because at the end of the day as long as you worship the lord and i am also happy when there is no music absolutely and you still worship the lord so music actually has nothing to do with worship um <laughs> the means that we use for worship actually. thank you thank you for making that very powerful yeah very important point yeah the women with the the woman with the alabaster jar there was no music no harmonium no indian music no western music no nothing but it was the highest form of worship
Yeah. yeah, I just want to jump into that conversation where it concerns uh, music. And I want to give us an example of what the Old Testament does with a hymn that probably was a hymn written to Baal. Baal, uh, you know, you know, you meet him right across the Old Testament. Baal was a storm god. He was the one who rode on a thundercloud and gave rain to the fields. And this was very important to God simply because it was an agricultural economy and the people needed rain more than they needed anything else. And so here you have... A Psalm 29, and I'll read you little bits. And as I'm reading it, see whether you can't hear the storm god Baal in it. But of course, the name isn't Baal anymore. It is capital, full caps L-O-R-D, which is the personal name of the God of Israel, the uh, Yahweh, which we vocalize as Yahweh. So here you are. The voice of Yahweh is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. Can you hear the thunder? Uh, the and now you're getting the feeling this probably was written to a rain god. The voice of the Lord is powerful and majestic, breaks the cedars, breaks it in pieces. Um, the voice of the Lord shakes the desert and the Lord shakes the deserts of uh, Kadesh. In fact, you hear in other Psalms also uh, similar um, uh, what shall we call it, echoes or resonances with a hymn that probably belonged to someone else uh, in the beginning. Listen to this one from Psalm 18, a continuation of the same theme. Uh, he parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew and he soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering. See, this is the God whom you constantly associate with light. All right. He made darkness. Can you see that uh, southwest monsoon rolling in? Uh, he made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky out of the brightness of his presence clouds advanced with hailstones and bolts of lightning in fact the god baal is depicted with a bolt of lightning in one hand the lord thundered from heaven he shot his arrows and scattered the enemy with great bolts of lightning he routed them so there you uh, i mean that's only one small example i read you of i don't know what you would call a revamp or an adaptation or a, a remix of lyrics Maybe they kept even the same tune, we don't know. But uh, do we have the courage to do that? Thank you. I, I, I generally sing Dr. Havila Rasam Om Jai Jagdisare with much more sense of devotion. And mm -hmm. But a lot of people get offended. But thank you for reminding me. And I shouldn't feel, I, I continue to sing that. That's the, one of the most profound bhajan in Hindi that uh, we have come across. Can I, can I just jump in here once? Yes. But I, I like what Amos also had to say, you know, I, 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 and I, I realized that, you know, some of what I said earlier, uh, I've grown up uh, in a, as a Christian in a Christian home. And like I mentioned, the, the kind of church that I've gone to, I don't feel less Indian because I've grown up in that. And I want to be very clear about that. It, it, I don't feel like, you know, everybody else around me is, is so Indian because they sing Hindi songs or, or they have these, these kind. No, not at all. I feel as Indian as the next person. And so anybody listening also, if you go to a church that has Jews and has liturgy, that's fine. If that's what you've grown up with and you worship God through that, uh, that's absolutely fine. You know, but what my point was is that none of us, that side or this side, should be able, should look down on the other and say, you know what, you're not worshiping God in the right way in that sense. I don't think that that is fair uh, in that sense. So, yeah, thanks, Amos, for raising that point. In fact, my uh, uh, an incident that I can never forget is when my husband, who uh, worships in an Anglican church, uh, ended up in our boxing uh, fellowship. We all were sitting on the ground in neat little rows, and we were singing these hymns that had been composed by our people. Okay, so we were singing these, and after it was all over, my husband said to me, "All those tunes, so familiar." I said, how are they familiar in your Anglican? You're singing all those English hymns. No, how are these familiar? He said, several of them are uh, Bollywood tunes. He said, old Hindi tunes. Uh, those are the songs that you're always singing. So I thought, man, how cool is that? <laughs> <laughs> we have only those number of swars. So the music flows out of those numbers of swars. And I think... Uh, uh, Amos can actually uh, throw a little more light on the sword and all that if, if you have some other time. But Amos, you were talking about some your Marathi dramatic style. Would you would you enlighten on that a little bit and um, before we move into this? Your your dramatic style that uh, okay. that you are uh, that you have composed, you have built up and all that. Yeah. Just just a glimpse it of is, that. It is called a powada. 
ஒரிஜினலிஸ்டேஜ்லிஜினலிஸ்டேஜ் and then it was distorted and then we are revamping it so revamping is the third stage because the distortion was the second stage firstly it was pure everything that has come as is pure and uh, so when we talk about revamping we are not trying to say that we'll get something from there and turn it here it has originally come from the lord itself so even though the pawada probably my dad wrote first time Uh, for the lord the composition itself whoever did it initially for anybody it's come from the lord so it is pure in its own form only that it was not written probably for the lord jay jay trik devas yesu christas adi pritis antahi tuch ek asana त्याच्या बिण दुजा कोण बसणार अनुभव हाच पुढे येणार जी जे जी अनुभव हाच पुढे येणार जी जे जी बाप बोले शुख्रिस्ताला सोडवाया पापी मानवाला अगीतून बाहेर काढण्याला पापांचा भार वाहण्याला आयस्तयार का मरण्याला सांग देवाला जी जे जी सांग देवाला जी जे जी so this is a sample of a powada it's oh. sung in a group and with all musicians but yes yes this is uh, we in in rajasthan there is a uh, 40 days of those song, songs happen on the victory and this exactly the same sung the same way in in up we sing uh, during uh, rainy seasons of those songs uh, those kind of victory wow you rem- such a beautiful uh, when we look at these some of the stories uh, there is a question from one one question is uh, let me read that question uh, dr shantanu datta is writing a question most of us are influencer and thinkers and community leaders have grown up in a christian subculture while these conferences and help what more can be done in uh, to promote cross cultural communication and dialogue within the community of believers let alone others in our country uh, dr havila you want to take that Uh, I can, but I will speak from below if you like. You know, from the ground. What can we do as a small little families who have neighbors of uh, different uh, persuasions? What can we do? Um, I remember uh, that um, uh, festivals in uh, our home, Christmas and Easter being the two big ones. Uh, New Year also was a festival of sorts. Had its own cuisine associated with it. So for uh, Christmas, it was always mutton biryani. For New Year, it was always our uh, Andhra coconut rice. Andhra and uh, Karnataka both make it, you know, with coconut milk. A coconut rice with um, uh, mutton meatball curry. And added to that would be our uh, Kannadiga avrekai, which is a kind of lentil, which is uh, dominant, which comes out in the winter season. So there was that particular uh, curry that went with the. coconut rice but this was not all in our family growing up i remember whenever there was any festival celebrated by the neighbors there would be a food associated with it and my mother used to make that for us also so that we maybe don't feel left out so if it was ganesh chaturthi we'd be eating kadbus in our house i don't know if they eat them in north india in south india you get kadbus they are called by different names in different states you know uh, rice flour uh, uh, on the outside and a very sweet uh, jaggery filling on the inside that's right yeah Yeah, so we eat that. If it was uh, uh, any other festival associated with any other food, like Ugadi, for example, which is a harvest festival, uh, we would have uh, batus or uh, what do they call them uh, in other places, a holy day in Canada or uh, something they call them in Maharashtra. No, I've forgotten what that is. 
<laughs> that thin chapati like thingy with a nice sweet filling inside. There's a Marathi name for that also. Puran poli. Ah, puran poli. Yes. So we'd have that. So if others are eating for ugadi, um, puran poli, we will have it in our house also. So I'm thinking those traditions have gone now. Uh, and now we become like, you know, each uh, apartment in each flat does its own thing and the neighbors don't even know. Uh, so maybe at least food is a way that we can start, you know, engaging with uh, uh, neighbors around us so that they get to eat when we celebrate our festivals and we can invite them home rather than just go and give out dishes like we used to do in my childhood and uh, um, similarly uh, celebrate uh, connect over food and festivals and that sets the conversations rolling yeah. uh, look i just i just had a point over here you know i mean i think uh, uh, we uh, we got to remember that you know all of us we you know we have different traditions experiences that are unique to us in that sense, our upbringing, our, our, our you know, and, and God has actually built that into each one of our lives for the purpose of us connecting with people that may be like us. And I, I definitely cannot connect with a number of people that you, be, that you can connect with. Uh, you, I, I, I don't understand uh, Amos's music. Culturally, I haven't grown up with that. I love it. Your voice is beautiful, brother. But I don't, I don't, uh, you know, if, if I was in a worship service, that I would leave like Satya out of it and say, I don't know what just happened, you know. Uh, but I connect with a different type of music in that sense. And I think God has designed all of us uniquely in that sense. We don't need to feel guilty that, you know, I'm not able to do that. Uh, I connect with a certain type of people and each one of us do. And you've got to take what you have, your experiences, keep learning, keep growing, absolutely. But do it in the simplest ways that you can. And the best ways are to have an open home, to have an open table, to have conversations with people, you know, and, and to, to really care for people in a, at a very ground level, very practical level. And you will probably connect most with people like yourself in that sense. And that's okay uh, if you're able to reach out to them and serve them and love them and care for them. That's absolutely fine in that sense. And I don't think we should beat ourselves up uh, that I'm not more like this or more like that in that sense. Now, that's not to say we shouldn't learn and grow, but I think we've got to take what we have and make the most of it uh, as well. So, yeah. Thank you. Let me, because I think uh, we, it's such an uh, engaging conversation and an important conversation happening. I just forgot that we are heading towards the end of our uh, talk show. But before we uh, close, I just have a, a question that we, sh we still need to uh, debate this because I'm not sure if we have, but I think if you can uh, look at this question, how can the, the church today be enriched by various local cultures, uh, cultural expressions and be engaged with the local culture as an insider and not an, as an outsider? Because whenever we talk about the culture, we always talk about their versus mine or our versus theirs. And uh, what uh, the early church, which I, uh, I, I was probably, I'm, a, I'm not a theologian, I'm just reader, so I read and understand that way, is that the, the, there was a very, very diverse communities coming together. And that was the beauty where, uh, that, that season, probably Paul had to uh, write a lot of letters to different churches, not about the talking, how, how, how you should uh, actually sing song, but more of talking how to live together. Uh, and that is how the church, uh, first century church on, uh, and they, they, uh, they were enriched. You know, one of the things that we've uh, tried to do with our, our kids, uh, you know, when we come around festivals uh, is to have conversations about what they mean. Uh, so that, you know, because our, our kids in our society with 90 families, we're, we're the only Christian family over here. There's lots of other uh, religious background, you know, and so it's important for our kids to have an understanding of that. And I think it's important for Christian families to be able to have those conversations, starting in your home with your kids, understanding it. And, and if you need to just look it up, you know, there's enough resources to, to try and get that information. Uh, I think that's one helpful uh, way in which we can do that at the home level. I think even just beyond that, um, you know, helping our congregation members have these conversations. I think Dr. Shantan also pointed it out in his question about having these conversations. I think we probably don't have enough of those. You know, all of our conversations are a Bible study, but maybe we need to have some Bible study sessions where we are actually looking at other uh, faiths and trying to understand them better, because if we understand them better, we will be able to connect much better with them. 
uh, be able to you know uh, have great, deeper conversations. Otherwise, it's always a disconnect. Uh, as such, so I think it gives me some good ideas as well. Uh, but yeah, I think those are some of the things you want to do. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Amos. Uh, I'll go to Dr. Avila last. Amos, uh, what's your idea? How uh, we can enrich uh, the church and the culture? I mean, by interacting in the through in the culture as an insider, not as an outsider. Yeah, I think I agree with Chandran when he says that we need to have an understanding of the other faiths, yeah, and uh, know what they believe in, and at the same time, I mean, everyone who tries to connect with the other faiths need to have a very sound understanding of their own faith firstly, and um, um, yeah, that would be a great way of uh, connecting, interacting with others, so that you know where you stand, you know, where that crease is. Uh, where you can get stumped out if you get out of your crease. So you need to know your crease. So that's there. Apart from that, yeah, there are other things like, uh, not just music here for that matter, even uh, um, cricket or any other thing which, you know, brings you together and connects you. And then like the Lord shared his faith with the Samaritan woman, um, um, fortunately, uh, we have languages in India. So other than religious groups, we also have linguistic groups. So in my colony, for example, we may be the only uh, Telugu speaking Christians. All the other Telugu speaking people are uh, of another religion. But simply because we speak the same language, there's a deep connect, you know, the immediately we start uh, um, connecting with each other. So uh, when there are... Um, 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 uh, festivals or whether uh, or when there are any sorts of celebrations even in our house like uh, housewarming whatever the language is one way that you can connect with other people as an uh, insider yeah uh, but there's another one and that's a that is how to connect with um, other religions as an insider, and here I use the word insider carefully because I put quotes on it. This comes from my own experience. I grew up reading Amar Chitra Kathas, uh, volume after volume after volume. And so now... Uh, lots of us. Lots, uh, lots of, us. of us did. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, you must remember that I was a fourth generation Christian, you know. Uh, so uh, there are not so many Christian children that I know of even today that uh, read. Uh, but that is where I got to get into the great um, uh, legacy or heritage of stories. So along with the stories from Ramayana and Mahabharata, I also know all my stories from the Jataka tales and from the Panchatantra and the Itopadesha. I know them all. And so that's my literary in into conversations with uh, other people. So when we say we should, you know, learn about other religions and all, there is one academic way of doing that, which is what do they believe, you know, let's compare uh, our dogmas and their doctrines. Uh, but there's another way, and that is at the Sunday school level even, what are the stories that other children are reading and hearing? And uh, yeah, uh, But uh, of course, all of this, I mean, I'm saying it uh, to provoke us to think there are lots of um, caveats, lots of cautions, uh, but I'm just being as uh, provocative as I can just so that uh, we can open up to think about these things. Should we read Amar Chitrakathas also um, in our uh, Sunday school uh, alongside everything else that we read and perhaps even compare the literatures and see how it goes. Uh, Dr. Havila, I think we just uh, take 30 seconds to talk about Geet Govin. Oh, the Geet Govinda. Uh, yeah, that is a project that I'm currently on. I am doing a, a conversation, if you like, just like how we are having a conversation between the Song of Songs and the Geet Govinda. Geet Govinda is a 12th century poem written in um, Sanskrit by Jayadeva and comes out of Orissa, maybe out of the Bhubaneswar temple cult. Very uh, int intriguingly, the Geet Govinda and the Song of Songs are fairly similar length. Even more intriguingly, they have similar themes running across them. That's so right. I'm taking a look at four themes uh, and I'm going to be conversing uh, one with the other. The series that it contributes to is uh, published in the West and the series is called Christian Commentaries on Non-Christian Sacred Texts. Uh, so that is the series to which uh, my uh, volume will be contributed. But it all goes back to my summer holidays during my childhood when I was reading Amar Chitra Kathas. And that is where I learned to do comparative theology and comparative religions. Dr. Havila suggests that encourage to read the literature of the land that helps to understand and connect. What it also said 
that celebrations have meaning and celebrations bring communities together. I think this conversation has come out quite clearly. We must engage in celebrations. Diverse celebra celebrations and not homogeneous celebrations. So there is a no one way of celebrating as Dr. Havila talked, uh, read few Psalms linking where they were. And, uh, Brother Ramos has is, is, uh, talked about power arts and how these are being celebrated, how these, this music and uh, 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 used to, is, is in celebrating. Your music, your form is not more sacred than others. Because as Brother Amos said, that everything was good when God created. The food is a very important. Somebody has said, if you want to understand a culture, first taste the food and love it. Second said, if you want to understand more that culture, get to the music. You will know it. And of course, in Bhakti, the love feast, the feast and the, uh, and the music is all together. Thank you so very much, three of you, for enriching us. And all the participants, those who have logged in, thank you once again for this wonderful conversation. We wish you all a wonderful good night and good time as you meditate on these subjects, questions, and the conversation that we have. We will see you on, uh, on Satya Samad discussion forum, and we will come back next time with another episode, with another set of guests, with another warm and hot topic that will help us, enrich us, to make us a better human being and better Bhakta Muktinath. Thank you. Good night. Thank you.